Marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug in the United States, and we haven't begun to find out all of the ill effects. The war on drugs has been an utter failure, and I think that we need to rethink and decriminalize our marijuana law. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. This is Mike Madrid, the publisher of California City News and the recently launched CaliforniaMarijuanaPolicy.org. And this is R.E. Grasswich, enjoying myself as a contributor to CaliforniaMarijuanaPolicy.org. We're talking to you today on Closed Session, a podcast we've recently launched to bring you the best and brightest views of the opinions of the best and brightest. Stick with us. Welcome back to another session of Closed Session with your host, Mike Madrid and... R.E. Grasswich. We are visited today in studio with a good friend of both of ours, who I want to do a little bit short of an introduction about. Joe Devlin is somebody that I've worked with in a couple of professional capacities in the past. The first former chief of staff to a city council member in Sacramento is how we first got to meet each other, right, Joe? Correct. And then we also did some uh, other work, public affairs type work. So somebody who's very skilled in engaging the public and working with constituent outreach and helping city council members come to the right decision. Joe has just been named as the, what's the official title? Chief of Cannabis Policy and Enforcement. Chief of Cannabis Policy and Enforcement for the city of Sacramento, which makes him the first person to hold that title. And the reason why we want to sit down and talk with Joe today was because increasingly cities are looking to fill people specifically in professional roles in their municipalities to handle the whole wide range of issues of cannabis that are kind of coming down from Sacramento and with the passage of Prop 64 on what we're going to do with with recreational and medicinal and the interplay of what people want and don't want. Long background to kind of explain why we've got Joe in studio today, but I'm looking forward to the discussion I know, Bob, you've worked with Joe in the past a little bit, too. Yep. I worked with Joe at uh, City Hall when I was with uh, Mayor Kevin Johnson. In Sacramento. Yes, in Sacramento. And Joe was with uh, Councilmember Jay Chenier. And we we worked on a couple of things together, and I think got along just fine. Um, And I have a lot of respect for the guy. I'm very happy to see him in this new job. Joe, let's start off by uh, the enforcement part of your title. Do you answer to the city manager, the police chief, both? How do you, how does your job break down? Yeah, so... uh, I think ultimately I I answer to the people of Sacramento. The organization chart is what may change um, in, in time is I'm currently in the Department of Finance. I foresee this office directly um, evolving into a direct report to, to the city manager, though, because the, the, the nature of the work requires me to work across a multitude of departments. So it's difficult to be housed in a particular department while having kind of operational lines across, you know, five, six, seven, eight other departments. Got it. Now, Sacramento has been a, uh, I've I've called it in public, a best practice in cannabis. I think the way that the city has established its uh, its medical regulations, medical cannabis regulations, going back to, I want to say, 
2009 or 10? 2010. 2010. And I know the run-up to that was uh, significant. The city council spent a lot of time working on those regulations. And I think, they, tell me I'm wrong here, but I think they've worked pretty well over the last seven years. The city has made a fairly good transition into the world of regulating medical cannabis. Um, I know a lot of people were up, uh, were, were concerned at the at the beginning. They thought it would be a, a real difficult transition, a lot of law enforcement issues, that sort of thing. But that really hasn't happened, and things have worked out pretty well. So from your perspective, tell me what, what what's worked well and, and what maybe hasn't worked so well, and, and what have you got to fix? Well, I think the things that have worked well are the medical dispensaries and the policies and processes that we, we have developed. Our calls for service from police, fire, code, by and large, that are cannabis-related, by and large, have nothing or very little to do with our existing dispensaries. They just don't generate calls for service. In fact, there's a UCLA study out there done on cannabis dispensaries that happened to be done on Sacramento's cannabis dispensaries that showed that um, when drawing concentric circles going out from dispensaries, that area around the dispensary itself is actually safer than, you know, one concentric circle out for the looking at the rest of the neighborhood. By and large, our dispensary owners are good actors. They want to pay their taxes. They want to be good neighbors. And, and that's really been the experience that, that we've had. What's not working right now are the illegal cultivation grows that we have in our neighborhoods. These are a pr- production size grows. These not, are not personal use. Yeah, this is not this is not mom and pop with a plant or two in the backyard. These are this is uh, an organized element to this. They go in and they're purchasing multiple multiple homes and they gut them from the inside and they f- turn them into what are commercial cannabis production facilities. Um, they're simply unsafe for a whole host of reasons from fire. None of the work obviously is up to code. So there's lots of electrical work that's done that is um, unpermitted and unsafe. And then there is the issue just around safety, right? So last week we had a double homicide related to an illegal residential cultivation grow. So that's not work. That's what's really not working right now in terms of in the cannabis field. And these are the old grow houses. These are places that are in suburban neighborhoods or, or in, in residential neighborhoods that have, they're not permitted. There's no licenses. And these guys aren't interested in, in being permitted, I gather. Correct. I'd say I can't speak for everyone that's, that's in this activity, but I think that there's at least a very good chunk of people participating in this that are going to have zero interest in, in taking a commercial legal pathway. They're spread out through all, all of our, all of our neighborhoods. Um, and I think it, shock people to to really know that Sacramento with the population of around half a million has around a thousand illegal residential grows a thousand a thousand wow of various sizes depends on how big the home is I mean that thousand is really a really commercial scale and it depends on the size of the house if it's a 2,000 square foot house they're getting, you know, 1,800 square feet of canopy in a 2,000-square-foot house. What are you doing about that? I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of things. It's certainly a priority of the council, and they've made it very clear to me that I have to go solve this problem. Um, and so one of the things that we're, we're looking at right now is making our, our codes and regulations around what is permitted 
cannabis cultivation for personal use in a home, uh, making that more clear. Right now, it's 400 square feet. We've had that in place for it probably maybe even going back to like 2010 or a little bit 2012, but it's 400 square feet. That's still kind of a big number. So we're going to tighten that down and make it more clear. We're going to line that with Prop 64 and say six plants in a single non-common area room or the garage. So you can grow it in a bedroom, but you can't grow it in like in the living room or the dining room, or you can grow it in the garage, but a single non-common area garage, you know, or common area including the garage. And then the other thing that we're going to do, hopefully we're, we're looking into this, um, still searching for some legal affinity to it, but we're going to require that folks register simple online process of just, Hey, just FYI, I'm growing six plants, you know? So when we're running through utility bills, looking for illegal grows and you pop up and like, okay, well it's higher, but it's not like crazy high. Okay. Well, that's, that, that makes sense because they've registered and they probably are growing, you know, six plants inside. Um, but the, what the, what the goal is, is to get to a place where we can go in, identify a house and abate what is really a nuisance, right? It's a fire hazard. It's a health and safety hazard and have the ability to come in and abate that through an inspection warrant, which is a much lower bar than a criminal warrant, which, you know, has a number of issues, Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, you know, being one of them. So the criminal warrant is much higher barred, more difficult to obtain. The inspection warrant is, 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 is a little bit easier. You know, we just need, you know, probable cause. We need to have belief that there's a, there's, that this situation is unsafe. So we think by creating the registration process and having tighter regs that we'll be able to obtain inspection warrants and then we can go in and abate that problem. So if we go into a house and there's a thousand plants in there, which is, believe it or not, they can cram a thousand, a thousand plants, plants in the house. Went to, went to three on Tuesday inspections and one house had 600, about 650 plants in it. The other one had about mm, 1,100. Wow. Um, so, you know, so in that scenario, if they had a thousand plants, we would come in, take 994 of them, all of the lights and equipment that are in, not in a single non-common area room and tell you, you know, go have a nice day. But right now, what we're doing is really just, you know, letting the folks know that we know that they're there and then they pick up and, and, and move into a different house and it's not it's not currently a solution. We, we may be seeking some changes in state law, pursuing, we have some meetings next week with an assembly member to possibly extend kind of a shield of liability to local governments to, to kind of go in and, and be able to remediate what are you know, significant health and safety issues. It is complicated. <laughs> yeah, and how, how does what message does this send to the guy who's, who's, who has the conditional use permit in his warehouse, who's trying to follow the rules, who is paying his taxes, what do you tell that guy uh, when there's a thousand of these grow houses out there with each with 600 to a thousand plants? Do the math. My God. I mean, how do you keep a guy honest when, when this is going on all around him? Well, I mean, that's why we need to do, you know, both things at once. We need to create that legal pathway and there needs to be an enforcement arm. Our, our permit fee that the, that the, our legal cultivators are going to be paying, a good chunk of that is going towards enforcement. We hope that we'll have enough legal cultivations taking place in Sacramento to kind of really pay for the enforcement to eradicate 
the legal grows within our community. Yeah. It's a big chore. Sure it is. And how much of this time, the cultivation, this managed cultivation, how much of that is taking up your time? For the illegal? Yeah. The issue that we're talking about. I'm trying to get a sense for yeah. our listeners how how much time is taking up with you worrying about that. Because this is not the only headache you have. No. There's a million any. other things yeah. that we're going to talk about too. But this sounds like a pretty big deal. Yeah. So it is. I could probably spend entire, I could spend pretty much all day on this. And so right now I'm trying to, you know, I guess kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of quarterback this issue using other kind of people and resources and all right you need to go figure out that part you need to go figure out that part okay you're stuck i'll get you unstuck right um you know our city attorney yesterday said well we might need a state law change and i'm like well okay well i can fix that right, right. so you know so we're meeting with an assembly member next week to potentially get that fixed and he's like well how did you do that i'm like well you know that's what i do it's what i do i can fix that so you know, there's a thousand of them. I mean, if we had the capacity to go in and bust three a day and there was no new additions to that number, we'd do three a day, seven days a week for a year. Wow. And so and the city is also working on uh, adopting new cultivation schematics too, right? To expand its, its cultivation capacity, commercial cultivation. So we've permitted, um, we have a permit. We, we are accepting applications right now for commercial cultivation. So if folks want to cultivate, they simply have to go online, download the forms. They're required to get a conditional use permit for the property that they want to do this at. And there's some restrictions. It needs to be in a C2, C4, M1, and a couple of other zoning designations. They need to be 600 feet from a school and, and then they need to apply for a business operations permit. But right now, there is a legal pathway for, for cultivation in Sacramento. And so do you think it will be dramatically expanded, the amount of growing that will be taking place within the city limits? We have 67 conditional use permit applications in right now. Those buildings range widely in size from you know 5,000 square feet to over 50,000 square feet. So um, there's a couple conditional use permit applications out there that it appears that they may be interested in housing multiple permit holders in a single structure. Um, I, I I can't tell you what the what the final number we're going to end up at will be, but we currently don't have a cap. I think the council was worried that there was going to be this massive flood, and I don't think that's materialized. And I think um, because it's a significant investment, I think when when you finally have to kind of go and put pencil to paper and you know, or pen to pen to checkbook and start writing some of those big checks. It's real money. It's real money. We want good quality operators who are going to be able to do it right, and that requires a significant capital outlay. And not everybody can can do that. Are our outdoor grows a problem in the city of Sacramento? So we don't permit outdoor cultivation. You know, I think it happens. You know, maybe here and there, but we don't permit commercial outdoor cultivation, residential outdoor cultivation is not is not uh, allowed either. I, I think the council kind of took the approach of, you know, this is, it's just too much of an inviting nuisance. Like, I, I don't want to hear from, you know, 200 constituents that five people in the neighborhood are growing pot and, you know, and it stinks. Mm. So I, I don't foresee that changing either anytime soon. I think it's have to be indoor. To get back to this, this I'm fixated on this thousand illegal grow houses. Why Sacramento? Why, why have these guys chosen to be here? 
Yeah, so that's a good question. I don't have a definitive answer. I've spent some time thinking about it. I think it's got to be happening everywhere, though, too, right? Maybe not to that extent, but well, yeah. So I think it's happening in places that have well. So first, we have California has laws around medical marijuana that can be really confusing to, oh, I'm going for this patient, I'm going for this patient, I'm going for that patient. And pretty soon, you know, I've got enough plants to fill an entire house. So there's still some kind of odd gray area within the medical marijuana regs. So I think that makes California kind of an attractive place to kind of attempt to do some of that stuff, you know, quote unquote, legally. I think the other thing for Sacramento is, you know, relative housing cost. You know, we're, you know, certainly much cheaper than trying to do this in San Diego or, or San Francisco, we also have great access to um, freeways. For right? delivery. From what I'm told, a lot of this stuff is leaving California. California. So, you know, we're right near, we're right on 80, we're right on 5, you know, we're on 50. So this stuff can get out through through some freeway access. And finally, we have SMUD, right? So SMUD's a great utility provider, our power bills, if you're a SMUD customer, are a lot lower than, you know, if you are not. And when you're doing the back of the envelope math and you figure that you're going to have 100 homes that are going to use 10,000 kilowatts a month, well, you know, I just saved 30% by locating in Sacramento just because of my just because the power bill is cheaper. So I think it's for some of those reasons. There might be others. Yeah, that makes sense, though. I mean, it's, it's economics, essentially. And transportation, as you said, yep. um, access to transportation. Since you brought up transportation, what tell me what the, the delivery system or, or situation is in, in Sacramento um, in terms of these guys who are. Uh, and I, I've, I've seen statistics that about half of half of medical marijuana is sold through delivery systems or is, is uh, gets into the customer's hand, patient's hand by a delivery system as opposed to a, a, a storefront dispensary. Mm-hmm. How does that shake out in Sacramento? What's it look like? The landscape of delivery. Well, we're just beginning that conversation i i have a a kind of a framework that i've started to share with council members they asked us to kind of come back and figure this out sacramento right now has about 170 kind of illegal delivery only dispensaries that's how i would kind of characterize them because all cannabis has to come through a dispensary and so just because you don't have a storefront doesn't mean that you're not a dispensary it just means that you are a delivery only dispensary and so Right now, we have about 170 persons or organizations operating as delivery-only dispensaries. We're going to be coming back with a process. I'm proposing to the, the Law and Legislation Committee in July that, um, that they create a legal pathway for delivery-only dispensaries and that there be similar conditions and restrictions on them uh, similar to other cannabis businesses. So one could foresee you know, our 30 existing dispensaries using, choosing to do that. And for them, they would have to come in and get a modification of their existing CUP and then an amendment to their business operations permit in order to do delivery. For the new ones, they're going to have to, they're going to have to come in and they're going to have to have a, a brick and mortar somewhere that's going to have to meet our similar zoning requirements for cultivation manufacturing. And then they're going to have to also get their, you know, their business operations permit. I don't think of the 170 that are hypothetically operating in Sacramento that 170 will be able to meet all of the standards and requirements that 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 we're going to have. I think that number is going to be significantly smaller. We're talking with Joe Devlin, who is the new cannabis czar for the city of Sacramento. Yeah.
for listening. You've been part of this closed session podcast. Appreciated having you spend the time with us this afternoon. Yeah, for Mike Madrid, I'm R.E. Grasswich. Stay tuned for the next edition of Closed Session. Mm-hmm.